But yeah, you just put this kind of, you know, as close to your mouth as you're comfortable. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So like you say, like, um, it was definitely tough getting out there. Like, you know, I've always had the idea and like, I find a lot of people have ideas, but they never really execute on them. So it was important for me to kind of get through that hurdle because I've seen some cool people do some cool stuff and you know I've you know guys like you you're out there doing crazy stuff and it's all <laughs> you're documenting it all and I started this whole you know the reason I have all this stuff is because I started um doing stuff with Caitlin like um waterfall hikes cool. um you know hiking the dogs camping and we're always like you know she was always like hey do you remember doing this thing or that thing and I was always like uh yeah, kind of. I totally feel you on that. And then she's like, oh, well, look at this picture. Like, it was so, like, look, it was so fun. Like, you don't remember? I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I do now. And that's when I started picking up a camera. And I was like, yeah, maybe my mom. Like, I remember being this, like, snot-nosed kid, like, when we were doing stuff as a, you know, as a young family. Mom was a big film camera gal. And she, everything we did was like, oh, we got to take a picture. That's like, cool. First day of school, picture. Uh, Mother's Day picture, you know, birthdays, you know, whatever it was. Anytime the family was over and it was like a photo op opportunity, she was like taking that thing out. And I was never really appreciative of it um, until about, well, I shouldn't say till 2018. I was very much so aware of the value of like taking stock and recording like, you know, your life and like, you know, because our memories kind of go with age, right? Dude, like... I can't remember what happened this morning. Like yeah. it just all flows by and the busier you are, the faster things go and the more you forget. Well, that's it. And it's not even, you know, it's not even by design. It's just, it just happens. Like you can only mm -hmm. keep so much. So yeah, I started on that journey and it kind of led from one thing to another. And, you know, like me, I think, you know, very similar to yourself. I don't think we have hobbies. I think our hobbies are pretty extreme or <laughs> we take our hobbies to the extreme level, you know? So I got into that bodybuilding powerlifting sphere and, you know, Somebody was like, oh, look, the, like people do photo shoots and stuff for that. Do you think you could do that? Like you do photos and stuff now? And I was like, oh, sure I could. And then that went down that rabbit hole. And anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. But uh, yeah, I always had like a, I guess a little bit of creativity in me, but I was always like kind of nervous to kind of explore it. So dude, this is fucking awesome. You're pulling the trigger and chasing it. I appreciate it, man. And, you know, while we're on that topic, I really appreciate you coming out. Oh, happy um, to be here. Yeah, it was. Uh, I know we talked about it for a while. I think it was important because you do a lot of cool stuff. And, uh, you know, for the viewers, just to name a few things, I was making some notes. So you're the season one winner of Canada's Ultimate Challenge, yeah. which is super cool. We'll get into that. Um, you raced 14 dogs in, can you pronounce that for the me? The Diderod. Yeah, it's a dog sled race across Alaska. Yeah, which is crazy. I Oh, man. When I figured out you were doing that, I always said it'd be like, I, do you ever watch Below Zero? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah of I course you do. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the guy that has the dog sled team and yeah. he, he kind of trades like training to get supplies to kind of do his, you know, his livelihood. Yeah. I was like, man, I was like. I was telling Caitlin we were watching that one day. I was like, man, I feel like that guy's got it figured out. Yeah, dude. He's, yeah. Yeah, he does. Simple life. Just taking care of the dogs. Yeah, the dog's life is, and there's so many people up there in Alaska doing, that's their life. Is and it? It is a simple, nice life. Sometimes I look at the stuff I'm trying to do here and the crazy goals that I have in this in this head, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should just go yeah, yeah. mush some dogs yeah, and yeah. chop down a few trees and some firewood and get the hot elk and call it a day. Dude, that's that's what they do. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was neat living it because a lot of people that move up to Alaska – 
find that they don't fit in in the real world because Alaska is not the real world. And what they're doing is they're accountants, there's lawyers, there's engineers, whatever they are, and they just don't like it. And they come into Alaska and do just what you're saying. Get a little cabin off grid, cut wood down, just live the dream up there with a bunch of dogs. And as soon as they start mushing, it's like, wow, this is incredible. Oh, and it's I feel like, like it's a whole different experience. Oh, yeah. yeah it is. It is amazing. Man, it's funny you mentioned that, um, you know, that some people like, you know, corporate white collar folks are like, you know, taking this huge shift and just doing like some very rudimentary like you know, living off the land type stuff. And it just kind of reminds me, like, I got a buddy. I haven't talked to him in, gee, over 10 years. And he was an older guy when I was in, uh, you know, a couple of years older. Everybody's older, like, by, you know, this big stretch in high school when it's, like, two oh, years. Yeah. But, in two, you know, in the real-life yeah. world, like, two years is... And 50's young now. Right, yeah, exactly. You're only 50? Oh, yeah. But I noticed this guy, I was always followed him on Instagram, but he just randomly popped up and he was like back home lobster fishing last i knew he was like lawyer in montreal so i i'm not really i like don't poke around too much in people's business but like i always knew like early on when we were young this guy wanted to be a lawyer and that was the jam and that was it so i was just like hey man just notice you're back home fishing how you doing like what's up he's like yeah man he's like listen i was like last i heard you're doing good doing being doing law and you're in montreal he's like yeah man he's like listen i had opportunity to come home and visit and somebody offered me a job and <laughs> next thing i went and i was like it's kind of easy showing up for someone else and just doing work and going yeah, home yeah and he's like yeah he's just like honestly he's like i don't know if it's forever but it's for right now because it's pretty low stress yeah so i just i guess i, I get it like you know when you look at the regular stresses of everyday life and you're trying to make it and all these crazy things going on in the world sometimes i think wouldn't be that bad yeah that's why you go to alaska <laughs> no cell phone coverage you just live the dream in the moment Man. and that's that way you forget everything you were mentioning that it's like hard to remember all kinds of things and that time you went to the waterfall it's i honestly think when you eliminate all that stress you remember a lot more things well that's it and you know life is definitely stressful as it is and you know it can be as stressful as we want it to be depending on you know what we're trying to do but uh true that yeah why don't we dive into a little bit about uh you know who Bradley is? Brad is that is that what you prefer? Yeah, I like Bradley actually. Bradley. Yeah, yeah. I, I as younger I went with Brad, but now I'm more of an adult. I guess more of an adult. I'm totally an adult now at yeah. 37 years yeah, old. Yeah, we're trying. I like Bradley. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like I, I, I named a few things that you've done. We'll dive into that. Uh, you know, tell tell us a little bit about where you're from, your background. Yeah. So proud Nova Scotian, born yeah. and raised, grew up outside of Windsor in a small town called Ashdale. So basically nothing out there except for Smiley's Park and a brewery, which is a pretty cool little brewery that's out there. Born and raised there, went to St. Mary's University when I graduated at SMU. Um, I took a job down in the United States knocking doors, selling alarm systems. And I was actually recruited from university to go down there. And I tell you, doing that was like the coolest thing I could have ever done. Because it was like the hardest job coming out of my comfort zone. Went down to California. Super hot out. I was on the east side of the mountain. So it's really hot. And I wasn't by the beach at all. And being dropped off in the morning. Going to have to knock doors to tell people about alarm systems. Trying to switch them over. That was my first experience with real life. And and I enjoyed it. I, I grabbed a hold. Yeah. What drew you to, to go over there? Because uh, fun fact. Um, 
we have a mutual friend. G-Rat. <laughs> yeah, G-Rat and Joe P. <laughs> Joe Power. Right, Joe Power. And uh, funny enough, I knew Garrett a little bit then. Not as well as obviously today. Yeah. Um, and there was a small chance at one point that I was going to go out with you guys and sell our oh, systems. dang. But anyway, I got sucked back into the fishing industry and somebody offered me a job. I didn't go. But what attracted you? What was the pull to... to to put yourself out there and get that experience. Like I know we were, would have been in university then at St. Mary's, right? Yeah. So I was always like an ambitious kid. Um, I was always pretty good at school and always enjoyed sports. Never the greatest sports, but I would always work the hardest. Mm-hmm. So when I was offered a job to go down to the States and sell alarm systems door to door, I really didn't know if it was right for me or not. Um, especially where it was a hundred percent commission. You don't even know what you're going to make. And you had to pay for your way down. You had to pay for your visa. You had to pay for all these things. And I remember talking to my mom and she was like, Brad, like, what do you have to lose? Like, it's just a summer job. Just go down there, like experience it. Worst comes the worst. We'll get you a plane ticket home and life will be great. So I was like, all right, well, let's just do it. So I went down and, and, uh, you know, I think it was the, the adventure of it all because growing up here in Nova Scotia, in a, in a small town, you don't get the opportunity to travel much. Mm-hmm. Like our family vacations was going to the ovens or over to PEI for the weekend. Yeah. We didn't do the Disneyland or any of those other places. Um, so, you know, the idea of leaving Canada, go to another country to work, that was enough. You know, I wanted to do it. Yeah, man, it sounds like we had uh, very similar upbringings. Like, you know, you're down Windsor Way, I'm down Yarmouth County. Um, very much different opinions on uh, from, the, from the parents, um, you know, ongoing i guess like sounds yeah. like your mom like was very supportive on the experience and my father was always like hey get out there meet people um and maybe i shouldn't blame them maybe i was a little intimidated of the whole thing um i think it's whatever your support structure is yeah so maybe it wasn't your parents you were leaning on for that support maybe it was you know a family member or a partner or a sibling or something like that that you're getting that that encouragement from or that foundation mine was always really my parents and generally my mom yeah. Yeah. Dad was always super encouraging and so was mom, but I, I, I just don't know what was holding me back. There was just a lot of fear behind like, oh, hell's yeah. you know, being like 19, 20 years old, whatever we were. And like, you know, coming to the city for school. I oh, mean, there's a big deal. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It was a big deal. Oh, heck yeah. Three hours away. I come from this little rural community in Argyle <laughs> municipality, Argyle specifically, like few thousand people to, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what, but four or 500,000 people, at the, you know, mm-hmm. today, um, it was a huge adjustment. So to go from there and then to jump and move for a whole summer, I guess, I don't know what was holding me back. Something was. Dude, and I wouldn't blame yourself for that at all. Yeah. Like, it's just part of life. Like, you get opportunities that present themselves every single day. Yeah. And you just decide which ones you're going to take. Now, what would you say would have been the, the biggest added value, like, doing this experience for you? Like, getting out there? Is it just, like, getting out there or... Nah, like I think that like the whole experience and you can talk to Garrett and Joe about this because I am brothers with those two for the rest of my life. Like I actually shared a room with those two guys. So like picture this, we're in a two bedroom apartment and there's five of us in there. So it was myself, Garrett and Joe that actually shared a room and we just had mattresses on the floor, no other furniture. Um, and we just lived there for the summer. And, uh, you know, you get pretty close with someone when you're sharing a room and you're working 12 hours a day, six days a week. Absolutely. Um, but the, the biggest experience, what you, what you learn from going out and doing that is getting outside of your comfort zone 
and just trying something new because you get rejected every single day. You knock a door, they don't want to talk to you. Slam. Yeah, slam, 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 a lot of slams. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want anything to do with you, but then finally you get someone that wants to talk to you. Maybe it's a nice old lady. She's probably not interested in your alarm system, but she's happy to talk to you. Gives you a little bit more motivation to go talk to the next person. And then finally you figure it out and you figure it out how to get a sale. And then it's like, it's like uh, they call it the matrix point when you actually figure it out and you start getting really good at it. And just going through that life cycle of not ever selling before to taking a product, going door to door and actually figuring out how to sell it. That's like a very powerful thing because at the end of the day, it comes down to communication and that's what we were taught. Yeah, man. I'm super glad to hear you say that because I think it's something that's not emphasized enough, especially like, you know, early on in, in you know, our adolescence, uh, you know, we're, we're told we got to go to university and get all this education and, and know all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you could know the least amount in the room. And I think as long as you keep yourself accountable and you can communicate properly and follow up, you know, in a timely manner, you know, I think you're kind of ahead of 98% of the people. Well, yeah, like knowledge doesn't turn into money. No. Like it's it's your hard work and stuff that you put into it that turns into money. Yeah. Like you go to a trivia one night and the smartest guy in the room is getting all the trivia questions. He's not necessarily the guy that has the greatest job. Right. Or know? the greatest life. Totally. Yeah. yeah. How would you find that that experience helped shape where your career is today? Boo, dude, as like a shooting star. You know, just breaking free, knowing that I can travel to another country and be safe, take care of my own self, figure out the grocery store, figure out how to like get around, making new friends. When you break those barriers, it gives you a lot of freedom to open up your wings and flap and go as far as you want. And we were always taught to set your goals and to set your goals as high as possible. And that really opened it up to not only me setting my goals high for a career, but also on physical, personal challenges as well. And... So that would have been, man, 17 years ago. And over the past 17 years, I've been chasing and running as hard as I can while still taking lots of time to experience the moment and have personal goals as well. Yeah, that's definitely important. It's got to have the balance. You got to have the balance. Yeah. I mean, you got to get what you want and go after it. But yeah, you need a little bit of balance for sure. Yeah. I, I honestly say if you're not balanced, you're not going to you're not gonna get where you're going. You're going to get burnt out. And if you've been burnt out before... It sucks. You're down for like a month. You can't really do anything. It's 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 like a sickness. Have you been there? Oh, yeah. 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 In fact, when we launched Purple Cow, and I, I give total props to Joe because, you know, if I didn't have Joe as a business partner, we like, I don't know how we would have got through it, but uh, it was coming around Christmas time. Our first year into it, you know, it was just Joe and I running everything. We were doing the phones, the messages. We were doing installs. We were doing everything that was there. We were wearing every single hat. And you installed my internet. Dude, I'm here you for you. Up Let's here. go. Let's right? go. Yes, yes. I was like, hey, I need some purple cow. Yes. You're like, yeah, cool. Yeah. It wasn't even you I was talking to, and you showed up at the yeah. door. You're like, hey. What's up? Let's go. Where's the Where's the stuff? And I was like, us oh, right over here. In and out and over to your neighbors. Because like lots of people want inexpensive internet, and that's that's what Purple Cow yeah, prides itself on with the customer service. So right off the bat, like we had a successful combination. So we were way busy. I totally worked myself down. To the point that I got sick, I couldn't even answer a phone call. I took myself off the the Purple Cow telephone number, and you know Joe totally rose up and just took care of everything. As I like took several weeks over Christmas to get back to normal. Yeah, man. I mean, I can definitely attest to um, 
to his ambition. I mean, I remember Joe coming in and, you know, he always does a great job better than me. Honestly, he always touches base and tries to, you know, connect with everyone when he's down. And I remember it was like a couple. Yeah. Well, it would have been pre pandemic. We went out on a patio and it's like, he was there, but he was on purple cow time. Oh, yeah. Cause he was like, he had 14 phones and they're all ringing. <laughs> Yeah, he, he does. And he stop. was like customer service. He was like, no, you know, like it didn't even flinch. Didn't even bother. Didn't even look like it bothered him. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like, props to Joe P. Keeping yeah. it together. <laughs> He's the man. He is the man. So glad you mentioned it. Um, obviously, you did a bunch of cool stuff that we uh, we touched on. But you know, your main thing is is Purple Cow Internet. Yeah. Um, at least that I'm aware of right now. Um, Dude, I'm a, I'm like a one business kind of guy. That's the main focus. Yeah. So we were just working hard at uh, trying to create something special for yeah. Nova Scotia. Can you tell me a little bit about that process? Like, how did you and Joe come about with this idea? When did you notice that there was a requirement or some white space for uh, a budget internet only product that uh, you know you thought would be appetizing for people here? Yeah, totally. So after uh, moving down to the United States, um, right out of college, out of university, there I stayed down there for nine years. And then wow. when I moved back home to Nova Scotia, um, at this point, I already started a business, sold a business, did a bunch of ventures. Now I'm kind of got a clean slate coming home. Goals was start a business, get on Amazing Race Canada and find a wife. So I get married in uh, two months. So check mark there. And then um, oh, wow. start a business, Congrats. Purple Cow, Amazing Race. I didn't do it, but we got Canada's Ultimate Challenge at school. Right. Um, but as far as Purple Cow, how that came about is I knew coming home, I needed to, one, use my skill set of being able to sell something. Um, which I learned knocking doors. And I took computer programming in San Francisco when I was living in the United States. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, so I wanted to be able to deploy that as well. And so I was looking for something that everyone needs. So like you start at the top, okay, everyone needs electricity. Nova Scotia Power is doing pretty good Yeah, right they now. got that locked up. Yeah, it's a pretty tough one. Mm. My old business was solar panels, so you can kind of get in there a little bit. But Okay, water. Water, okay, yeah, there's lots of people selling water. Maybe there's a thing there, but internet was the next one and there i found one company that was doing a good job and they were selling the internet for for a really good price however they had shit reviews oh. just like 1.5 star on google i just couldn't believe it and i oh. thought man if you can sell internet for 60 bucks but have amazing customer service you'd have a slam dunk so i started trying to figure out exactly how to put these pieces together calling friends reading stuff online looking the tariffs started to put it together hired a consultant got it basically all the way down the line where I'm investing money, putting all together websites up, and I knew I'm gonna need a business partner to make this happen. And Joe was one of my first people I called because he used to work in telecommunications, he's an amazing sales rep, awesome business partner, and just all around one of my best friends that's out there. And it took a little bit of convincing because Joe was working on another business at the time, <laughs> but eventually he jumped the fence and joined the herd. So once Joe and I combined, it was, not too long after we actually launched the business and um, had a launch party at SMU, invited a bunch of friends. There. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Still waiting for my shirt. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hook you kidding. up. I'll hook you up. But yeah, like, once we launched it, um, it was, it was gangbusters. You know, it's just been, it's just been Nova Scotia success story thus far. And we have some incredible things planned for, for Nova Scotia and what we're going to accomplish. Yeah, man. I mean, I remember when you guys announced you were doing that, I was like, what the frig? And then I was like, well, I'm obviously all in, like cancel yeah. my internet, sign Love up. It. And it was like, you know, and I'm very much a person like that. And it's very much why I, I, I made this podcast. It's, I grew up in a place where we only had so many services and products. 
and you always supported the guys in the area that were good and treated you good. So yeah, yeah. naturally, my friends, my circle, anything they do, I'm supporting. I like that. Yeah, I'm, that's that's what life's all about for me. It's reciprocation. There's no good coming up on your own. Yeah, yeah. You gotta bring your people with you. Yeah, yeah. And you're not gonna get ahead by yourself. You gotta work together. You know what? I've really come to that realization um, tenfold recently, and I, I can't divulge exactly. That's to be to be determined. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's coming soon. I, you know, especially in the in the life of like real estate. Like I was convinced, like I can just like do it on my own. Like, I don't need anybody. And, like, you know, I was a little jaded coming out of, like, getting let go from Unilever, non-performance related. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. National business scope, their portfolio nationally. When you look at Canada, Atlantic Canada is 10%, over to 10% of the investment. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of, like, I got brought up. as was like, oh, if you work really hard, you'll you'll always have a job. You know, that good old blue-collar work ethic. And it just, like, goes to show it's not really how the real life works. Like, you're kind of an employee number on a spreadsheet and yeah, you show your value, but only go so far. But, um, yeah, man, that's basically why, uh, I jumped into this and, and, and tried to get this going. So. Dude, I think it's great because it, uh, it reconnects with friends, reconnects with people you don't necessarily always talk to Yeah, and, um, gives people a platform to get their information, their thoughts, their, uh, viewpoint out, which is great. hundred percent. I'm not like any, you know, any huge <laughs> network or anything yet, but like, you know, we do our best. We'd get some decent plays. and uh, Mr. B started just like this. Right. You know, and not even with all this cool gear you got. You know, right. like it, it, we, everyone starts from somewhere. So it's like you can't knock the guy for trying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the main thing. And we touched on it a little bit before we got into it. But I think the main thing is just if you if you have an idea, just try. Oh, man, go for it. What's the worst that yeah. can happen? It didn't work? Try something else. Yeah. I always say that the, the hardest part about running a marathon, and I don't know, have you ran a marathon before? I've ran the far, furthest that I've ran is 15K. I know I can do it. Yeah. It's just a matter of like, I do so much stuff. I'm going to do it. Sure, sure. But yes. The uh, hardest thing about running a marathon is just signing up for it. Right. It's just committing to it, you know? And once you pay that 100 bucks, you're doing it. I guarantee it. You run a 15K? Then a blue nose is coming up. If you signed up for it, I guarantee you'd run a marathon. No question around it. You put in the time, you put in the training because you committed to it. Yeah, man. I'm very much of that kind of mentality. It's like, you know, once you paid up and it's go time. Go time, baby. I'm showing up. Yes, exactly. You might not run the best time. Who cares? But I'll make it. Yeah. That's only a follow-up question. People ask, do you run a marathon? And then if he's like, yeah, I ran a marathon, and you like brush off some dirt off your shoulder, then they ask you like, oh, what was your time? Right. You know, you got to get that first step first. So who, I know. who cares about your time? Not me. No, screw that. I started running. My buddy was always like asking me about my pace. I was like, man, I just started. Who cares? I, I had distance goal. Yeah, yeah. The pace thing's just like a secondary Maybe even third. Man, you can go down the rabbit hole and then you can go to the pace, you can go to your heart rate, you can go what, Cadence, what gels are you yeah. eating, like like how often you take your salt tabs, do you take Advil or Tylenol? Like there's all these things you can jump into it, but at the end of the day, it's super simple. Just get out and run. It is. It's simple. It is pretty, pretty simple. Yeah. And every day you do it, it gets this much easier. Every time, yeah. You can go this much further. You yeah. breathe a bit better. Yeah. You're a little less tired. I think it really comes down to, I mean, I've been on this big like goal setting kick and, you know, I think people just like look at the goal at the end, like marathon, kind of get to the end, you know, this 40 plus, you know, 
42 and a half kilometers? Four, yeah, 42 and a half. Yeah, yeah. So I want to run one. I should know how long it is. <laughs> 40, 42 and a half. It's all the same. Right? But like people have this, like, holy moly, I got to run that far. But it's like, you don't run a marathon every day for training. You no. start five and then you're at yeah. 10 and then you build the volume and then you got short goals. So like this week, you got to run, you know, 20K, the next mm-hmm. 25. And it's all like, you know, periodize up, periodize down. Like if people just kind of like broke things down, just digestible goals, I think everybody would get a little bit further. Totally. Yeah. I think that's where we're losing a little bit. We're just oh. like, oh, too big, done. Yeah. Next one. Yeah. Break it down to manageable goals. Start start with something that you feel is achievable. Just start with something. Yeah. Now, you did some some crazy cool stuff. I mean, out of all the things that you've done, I mean, we've we've, you know, the latest one was the the winner of uh, Canadian's Ultimate Challenge. You want to yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Like what does that encompass? I I followed along a little bit, but um it's like one of those things I don't freaking have cable, so I was trying to follow online. Oh, dude. And- Purple County Internet has TV now. Hey, super easy. Upsell already. We'll, we'll get it, it to you. No problem. We'll <laughs> sling it over. It's just an app. You download it. You can watch it on any device, web browser. Imagine. Dude, How much? Super easy. 20 bucks? 20 bucks. Yeah. It's cheap all around. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't well, even know. I'll, yeah. Apps, yeah. Uh, we, we actually just uh, updated the checkout a couple of days ago. So um, the website actually updates here this week and then it'll be public and we'll push yeah. it out. I shouldn't say I didn't know. I, I think Joe mentioned something about it forever it's been in the making for a little bit well over a year year and a half now okay it it is harder to get all the approvals with all the different tv channels platforms uh, technology to be able to launch tv than it does to do internet which doesn't make any sense but yeah that is weird a lot of red tape to put some context around canada's ultimate challenge i feel like i've been working towards this competition reality tv series that's on cbc and cbc gem for basically all my life so when I moved down to the United States, I was asked by a buddy to run a marathon with them. And I had never run a marathon. The marathon was actually only a few days away. I didn't know that at the time, but I agreed to the marathon and then found out it was only a few days away. So I went out, bought new sneakers, new shorts, and was like, all right, let's just do this, see what happens. So just before you move on, mm-hmm. how much running experience did you have prior to like I said, I was always a fit guy. One athlete of the year in, in high school. Okay, so you have on, a good base. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I was on lacrosse team in St. Mary's. Like, uh, yeah. like, I was always an athletic dude. But running for fun was just never never a thing I would do. I'd run to, like, catch the lacrosse ball or to kick the soccer Same. ball. You know? There's an objective to the running. Yeah, exactly. So Not the, just getting to the end. <laughs> yeah. So the, the idea to run a marathon, I never even really thought about it. So when he asked me to do it, you know, I was hesitant, but agreed to it and then found out it was only a few days away. So... Um, I remember being at the starting line, there was a ton of people there and I was like way pumped and like excited. I didn't have a watch. I had like those like cotton underwear on with like other shorts <laughs> right. over them, like not the right gear by no means. And, you know, gun goes off, start running. Lots of people around. It was really exciting. First 10 kilometers go by and then next 10 kilometers go by. And then the pain starts setting in. Not only the pain in like your legs and your feet and your hips but your belly as well like yeah. you're not feeling too good now you're right. like seeing chips and you're just throwing them back and like oh someone's giving it water and mini sips like yeah let's do it so i'm just like trying to figure this out as i'm going but i'm still trying to run as hard as i can but then the pain really starts setting and i remember one of my calves it was like lightning going through it and i was like holy shit and like next calf lightning going through that and i could barely walk it's just every step was just burning and i felt like in that moment was kind of like knocking doors where i had an opportunity or a decision I needed to make at that moment. Like, am I going to push on? Or am I going to like sit on this curve and kind of give up? And that kind of set the tone 
for for really the rest of my life thus far. I chose to continue on and, and keep going. And what was crazy is I had no idea about any times or anything like that, but I missed qualifying for Boston by under 10 minutes. What? Yeah, and I, I didn't know anything about that stuff. You have to do stuff. under three and a half hours, no, for Boston? Uh, I, I think at the time it was three hours and five minutes for that qualification for wow. me. Wow. Yeah. So like I, I've never ran such a fair, fast marathon. I've run probably a dozen other marathons since. So that was your best time? Yeah, first time ever. Yeah. And how many have you ran since? Twelve. Wow. Dozen. I don't know, maybe more. And what do you think got you to that time? Just the pure. You just don't know. You just didn't know. You know it's gonna hurt, but like, how bad is it supposed to hurt? How are you right. supposed to pace yourself if you've never done it before? You're just going in at it, you know. And I've never run a fast marathon ever since. Like, I go run with my dog now, and I'll run four and a half hours, and that's my marathon time. And I'm totally cool with that, and I still just hurt just as much at the end of that. Right. But, um, but like, I want to make it the point that, like, making that decision to push through that pain and to continue on was a, was a powerful thing for me. Because once you accomplish that goal and you realize, hey, shiz, like, I didn't train for this. And, and this is something that, like, yeah, like, people are supposed to train years for. Um, or months or whatever it is, have the right gear, have the training, have the coach, all these things, and you can just pound this out. Like, what else in life does society tell you that, you know, you're supposed to train for, supposed to prepare for? And this is where I just went on a rampage as fast as I could, trying to, like, set challenges up and do them. So I, uh, I signed up for this. It's called the hardest race in the world, hardest marathon in the world. It's actually 250 miles across the Sahara Desert. Um, so I signed up for that. I trained for it. Went, ran it, did it. It was awesome. It took five days. Um, took five days. Five days, yeah, across the desert. In the, des- in the desert. Yeah, you just sleep out there. How hot was it? Oh, it was way hot. Yeah, it sucked. Tons of sunscreen. The worst part about doing that is, um, you know, Sahara Desert. There's like sand dunes. It's the height of the Eiffel Tower, and you're like running over these suckers. You know, it's incredible. But with sand and wind, there's like it's gonna get up on your body and stuff. And yeah. like, I started chafing between my legs. Itching. Oh man, the chafing was so terrible. Oof. Like I remember towards the end of it, I was walking like a duck, just trying not to I bleed. Bet. Like it was Oof. bad. But I got through, and I was still wearing my cotton boxers. Still didn't know. Didn't know. Didn't know. Even after, <laughs> I didn't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Running the Sahara in your in your uh, fruit of the looms. Fruit of the looms. That's exactly what it was. The least expensive boxers out there. Walmart, baby. Let's go. Holy shit. Yeah. But uh, so I accomplished that, and then when I was doing that race, I met a guy that said he's always wanted to swim the English Channel. I asked him, like, what's the English Channel? He told me all about it. And I was like, okay, cool, I want to do that. Um, But before I did that, two weeks after I was done the Sahara Desert Run, I was in Alaska climbing the highest mountain in North America called Denali. and ended up summoning that, and then totally got focused on the English Channel, swam the English Channel, always wanted to do the Diderod, Took two years to do the Diderod, moved up to Alaska to complete that. And um, so the ultimate challenge, Canada, it's it's a combination of teamwork, endurance, uh, enjoyment of suffering. And I just felt this show was just made for me. Like I mentioned that I always wanted to get on the Amazing Race Canada. And I wanted to get on there because of the cool challenges you do. Not necessarily the memorizing or the dancing or anything like that. It was the challenges. And they just built a show for me and the color of the Canada's ultimate challenge. And I got on. So I, I thought that was pretty neat. And so Canada's ultimate challenge, CBC, CBC gem. It, uh, the premise is your team is a four. You're coached by a, a celebrity athlete. Um, Donovan Bailey was one of the coaches. That's Luke cool. Wilson. Yeah. I just see that. Yeah. It's, it's like work with those guys of that kind of a caliber athlete is, is pretty, 
pretty powerful because when they're telling you stuff and they're giving you advice, like my coach was Luke Wilson. He's just telling me about like when he's winning the Super Bowl and the shit he had to endure and Pete Carroll, his coach, like telling him things. And like, he's now bestowing that knowledge down to us. Like, holy crap, like that's pretty dang cool that we have that opportunity to be around this person that's going to teach us these lessons that, you know, the, the highest paid, the most professional athletes in the world are getting. Um, so you have that opportunity to work with those coaches and basically you're traveling around Canada doing physical challenges, competing against everyone. And as the show goes on, teams start getting eliminated based on a point system. And it all culminates down to two teams and um, it's it's a free-for-all there. You know, you want to you wanna get it. And Team Black, the team I was on, ended up winning the whole thing. And I was super stoked. And um, um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. Man, that sounds amazing. And, uh, you know, I was watching a little bit, you know, reels here and there. And uh, I really loved the one where they kind of described you. It was like, I'm going to butcher it. But I, all I remember is like, yeah, that Brad Farquhar's got a couple screws loose, but he was built for this or something. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's Brad. We're yeah. ready get it <laughs> dude i just chuckled at that i was like that sounds like one of our guys like from back home yeah <laughs> dude yeah i was only on that show to win i wasn't there to make friends to have life experiences because i've done a bunch of cool things in life and i want to continue doing life yeah, things yeah, yeah but i was there to win that's Absolutely. all i wanted to do so every night i would get back to the hotel i would work out i'd go to bed early i would stretch other people are out going to the bars, they're drinking, they're hanging out with friends and like they're yeah. really enjoying the moment in their way. But I was building it to the end. And I remember one person asked like, why are you working out every night? And I was like, and I, I told them like, I'm not working out to be like prepared for tomorrow. I'm working out to be prepared for that like last minute, that last second in the last challenge of the last episode that I need to perform to get the W. And if you watch the show, you watch the last season, it all came together. That's awesome, man. I'm going to have to give her a good, a good to watch over for sure. Um, that's awesome. It just reminds me of just, yeah, just all the stuff that I, you know, thought about doing and haven't, you know, haven't done. And you're just out there just killing these huge challenges. And it's like, you know, what was the big motivation behind like doing all this tough stuff? Like, was it just the experience? Was it just, you know, where did this all kind of stem from? Like, was it? I think the motivation is you just got one life. You're right. Then the day it's going to end. We start the same, we end the same. Yeah. Like, it's, it's what you do in the middle that counts. And so if you can set goals, why not set them high? And if you can chase them, why not sprint? Man, I love it. I love it. I was actually talking to my wife uh, last night about, you know, she's very like conservative and like take our time and, yeah. you know, save this money and we can do that once that's there. And I'm very much operating like we're running out of time. Like, so we got to get moving. Um, so I love that. It's just like, you know, you got to put your best foot forward. If you're going to do it, do it. Like we don't yeah. got a ton of time. And it's a balance, like, you know, between you and your partner, like you have to make those decisions that, oh, yeah. that make sense. And, and, you know, I'm not out there buying Ethereum and like trying to risk all the, the dimes that I made in my life or base jumping or anything like that, which I would love to do. But like, there's, there's measurable things that make sense and, and don't make sense. And it, it just depends on where you're coming from, what foundation you have. And I, I mentioned before, like your support system is really important. Mm -hmm. I think I was very blessed with that. Um, you know, 
Because if you don't have that support system, you're going to be less likely to take a risk because it's all going to fall back on you. Yeah, man. I mean, like, you know, I've had plenty of days where maybe I wasn't the one believing in myself, but like yeah. my wife did. Yeah, yeah. Hells yeah. And that, 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 man, that fires you up. Oh, but does. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you need that. And it's yeah. like, you know, people ask me all the time. It's like, you know, why you always want to try and be the best at, you know, everything you do? And it's like, well, that's just how I am. Like I'm Tell not trying them. to be necessarily the best, but if I can be the best that I can be, then why wouldn't I be aiming for that? You know? It's like you say, we got one life. I'm one not here to be mediocre. Yeah. You know? And there's always going to be someone that's like greater at it than you. And sure. like, it doesn't really matter what you do. Someone's probably already done it before. So it's like, uh, at the end of the day, if you take the ego stuff away and you're just trying your best, that's really all that comes down to. Exactly. And it's like you said, it's like, it's like the same thing as like being nervous at starting this podcast or being nervous to do anything. So do your first 5k, your, you know, yeah. join jujitsu. It's like, you just got to set the commitment and do it. Cause there's yeah. so many people out there that probably want to do the same thing. And they're just choosing to not. Yeah. And what kind of life is that? Well, it's just... To choose to not pursue your interests or your dreams. It's a life of mediocrity, you know? So. And there, there's no scale here that we're talking about. It's You set the tone with, with whatever your goals are. If you have goals and you don't chase them... Yeah. That sucks. What are you here for? That's right. One life to live, baby. I want to live the one I want to live. Hells not yeah. the one I was told. Oh man, yeah, you know? agreed. So, what's next? Any challenges on the forefront? Are you are you looking at anything else? I mean, you've been summiting mountains. I mean, there's bigger ones to do. There's yeah more races. Like I look at a lot of things as like check marks in life. So, swim the English Channel. That's one of the biggest, most popular swims in the world. How long is it? Check mark. It's a marathon swim. It's like almost forty kilometers across. Can you bring me to that? Like, I have, like, a little fear of, like, the unknown and the under, like, below me. Like, for some reason, as I got older, as an adult, like, lakes and ponds and weird stuff that I don't know about. Like, yeah. It's not really, like, doesn't register well up here anymore. So, like, can you bring me how, like, hmm. through that experience and how, like, you felt in the open water? I'm assuming you had, like, a boat or a spotter or something, but, like, very much so on your own out there. Yeah, yeah. It, it's we chatted about it it's it's baby steps and it's a moment in time when you pull the trigger so i'll I'll tell you my english channel story and i think you can relate to it in that sense um when i was running the sahara desert Mm -hmm. i was talking to this guy and he was saying he always wanted to swim the english channel i had no idea what the english channel was and most people wouldn't why would you know like i don't you know anyway so he said it's it's a swim between england and france body of water I'm like, okay. And I was just like, how far is it? He's like, oh, it's 42 kilometers. It's like, okay, like, do you like rest halfway through? And he's like, no, 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 a boat's there. It's beside you, but you can't touch the boat. It's just there to guide you across. Because we can get in the middle of the water, like in between England and France, you can't see England anymore. And oftentimes you still can't see France. So you need a guide to get across. All you can wear is just a swim cap, goggles, and a Speedo. Never been in a Speedo before, but I got excited. So the whole idea of actually doing this was, was not even a thing at the time, but it stuck with me and I started thinking about it. I think in life, we all have those things that you're just kind of thinking about, like, oh, it'd be kind of neat to do this, mm-hmm. kind of neat to do that. Yeah. And then you kind of graduate from just thinking about it, starting to research it. 
You're like, oh man, like this is how you can do it. Okay, you read that blog post. You actually talked to someone that might have done it before is doing it. And you, the reality starts in like, maybe I can try this. So I ended up figuring out boats that you could book and pay money to like guide you across. And I uh, called them up, emailed, got it booked. I remember wiring the transfer or wiring the money over. And at that moment, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. My next step was to learn how to swim. So I was never a swimmer. I grew up in like, you know, the country, there's like rivers and stuff, but never a swimmer. I was living in Princeton, New Jersey at the time. So I went to the Princeton University to the swim coach. I told him what I wanted to do. And the first question he asked me was, tell me about your resume. I was like, resume? Like, I don't know. I don't, like, uh, I grew up near the river and I had one of those circle pools growing <laughs> right? up in your yeah. backyard. You swim around in And I remember telling him specifically that I was like really good at Marco Polo. In the <laughs> game, we try to tag each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, as if that's going to impress the Princeton swim coach. Right. Anyways, he, he thought wasn't it, impressed. Well, I think he thought I was just joking, you know? So he's like, all right, kid, like, jump in the pool, swim, like, let's see what you got. And, like, jumping in this pool is a pool that's, like, pretty deep and has those lanes going across. First time ever in lanes. So I'm like, sure. Jumped in. And I'm, I'm wearing a Speedo that I just bought. Like, I just pulled the tag off when I put it on. And so I start swimming across and... I'm swimming just like anyone else without swimming experience would do. It's, it's nothing fancy. I'm gassed halfway across. And I get to the end of the pool, and all these guys are doing these, like, really cool kickflip things off right. the edge of the pool. And going back. Going yeah. back. Never did that before. So I just kind of, like, spun around and, like, kicked off. And I got out, and um, the coach, he, he, he said, like, okay, you, you said you're swimming the English Channel, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you're doing this in eight months from now? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm super stoked. And he's like, Brad, I'll – tell you right now there's no way you're gonna be able to swim the english channel in eight months how did that make you feel well like like anytime someone is discouraging to you it uh it kind of takes the wind out of your sail even if you don't mean to do it to someone mm. but i think with time um, and that could be a pretty short amount of time it could be not a lot of time but you, you realize that this person telling you that is actually probably putting himself in your shoes and thinking he can't do it well uh, it's and, funny you mentioned that i was just gonna ask like where do you think that like his answer do you think that was the right one to give you well he he can only give me an answer based on his perspective only know what you know right that's right and you don't know what you don't know exactly so like for him he does not think he can swim the english channel and he's the princeton swim coach he's a phenomenal swimmer he's won awards he's like blah 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 so like if he can't do it, why the heck could this kid that just showed up with zero swim experience do it in eight months? He's rightfully thinking probably the right thing, you know? Now, should he be discouraging? Probably not. That's like a coaching thing he could work on. But his advice saying you probably can't do it, I think that's fair. However, he still was willing to coach me. And I still showed up there at 5 a.m. Oh, he still did it though. Yeah, well, yeah. He's so still, he's transparent, he, but he showed up and still helped you. Yeah, so there was like a Princeton Masters Swim Club. So there's a group that met every day, um, well, five days a week at five o'clock in the morning, and he was the coach for it. So I'd still show up. I would still do that every single day during the week. And on the weekend, I was doing these really long runs. And eventually, you transition from the pool to open water. And your fear is, is I can relate and sympathize to it because I have the same fear. You do? Oh, totally. Yeah, so like I started in like pretty shallow areas where I could see the bottom, I could see the seashells and the sand and stuff, and I'm swimming along. But you know, it doesn't take long, and you're in really deep open water, and you know the glimmer of lights coming down and up, 
like I always thought there was going to be this like scary Medusa kind of hair person coming up to like grab me and pull oh, me down yeah, at the you water. Don't like, tell me. Yeah, freak. Like that Batter person jaws, just lives there. Like, I don't know. Something's there. Whale falls yeah. me up. Like I don't know. So what I used to do is like how you swim is like when you're putting your hand over like your face is in the water and then when you bring it back you pull your head out like this and you take a breath. But I was always when my face was in the water I'd close my eyes and then I'd open them back up when I was looking like out of the water. So I would just never look. And I felt like that kind of helped me. You just didn't look. Didn't look, man. Ignorance is bliss. Man, if I looked down there, I'd be scared to death. I wouldn't get in. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. I'm terrified just thinking about it, man. Oh, dude. And, you know, there there is things in water. It's not unrealistic to think that. Um, One of my training swims, uh, and one of the ways to qualify, or the only way to qualify for the English Channel is you have to show that you can swim. I think it's like 10 hours, and the water has to be cold. So I remember going up to Maine and swimming there, and I was out. My buddy's in the boat, and he's driving along beside me, and... I'm swimming along. This is only like 15 minutes into my swim, and I'm planning on swimming 10 hours today, and this is the longest swim I've ever done so far. And, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes out, I'm swimming along, and my hand comes down the water, and plop, it touches something. I'm like, oh! You know, and then my next hand comes, hits something else. I'm like, what the heck is this? And oftentimes, you'll run into seaweed, and seaweed will scare the death out of you, you know? Um, But this stung me. No, and it starts sliding down my arm, stinging my arm, across my face, stinging my face, all the way down to my toes, stinging me all the way. It's a dang jellyfish. It wasn't one. I don't know how many it was. A hundred. Like, I was just getting stung everywhere. And I popped my head up, and I was like, ah, jellyfish. Like, and to the credit of the, my boat driver, Don, he was just like, well, there's jellyfish in the English Channel, too. <laughs> just savage. Like, just savage. Suck it up, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No lifeline thrown at all. Nothing, didn't even no. offer you any. No. You're right. fine. Yeah. So just, just power off. through. Yeah, power through. But I, I think that kind of training and being with your buddies, they're savage, just jerks, assholes, whatever, but like a right, right person. It. I need that. It's important. I'm all you know? about negative reinforcement. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean a little bit of positive sprinkle in there too. But yeah, you got a little encouragement you know, a little there. Bit. Yeah, yeah. But like a lot of like, hey, just you have to freaking do it, okay? Totally. Get out there. Yeah. And then... um but uh, so I show up to the English Channel, and this was one of the easiest swims I ever did. And I don't want to take anything away from the English Channel, but like the stars aligned. It wasn't a, a really bad day. I had my family on the boat for encouragement, my, my partner at the time. We started super in the, early in the morning, paddling along. And, um, you know, it, it didn't take too, too long, and you lose sight of England, and you're just cruising along. You kind of get into the middle of the area. Big shipping lanes for boats that are going across, massive you oil tankers. Them? You can hear them, yeah. yeah. And the boat's right beside you that's driving along, right. so you can hear that boat quite a bit too. And, um, you know, we're cruising along, and, like, the first hour goes by, second hour, four hours, eight hours, and you know, ten hours goes by, and the sun just completely goes down. Oh. Now I'm swimming in the dark. And you're talking about being scared in the water. Imagine being open water, ocean, dark. You can't see anything. I'm nervous just listening to you. And I'm cruising along, and I can kind of see some lights in the distance, and um, they're dropping this dinghy off the back of the boat. And I know when they're dropping the dinghy off the back of the boat, that means this boat can't go too much farther because it's starting to get shallow, and I must be getting close. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> fuck, yeah. I've already got anticipation in my head watching you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, so, like, I'm starting to get excited. And, you know, when you get towards the end of something, you, like, start taking energy on that excitement. Yeah, and you're pacing it, pacing yeah. up a bit. Mm-hmm. And about every 30 minutes, I would 
pop my head up and they would feed me basically throw a bottle out into the ocean with a string attached to it so i could drink whatever is in there and they pull it back and so they threw the bottle out i'm thinking like cool and uh and they say brad the tides have changed we're actually stuck in one spot and the tides are actually starting to pull us back out and this is a pretty common thing with English Channel Swim. You can be within a kilometer of that coastline, and yeah. tides change, and they pull you right They're down. You out. Yeah. yeah, and you can't beat it. Like, you're going to hang out for eight hours to beat the tide? That's pretty tough. And this, uh, this guy said, you know, Brad, you have to swim harder now than you have all day, than you ever have. You're telling this to a guy that has just swam 11-something hours. Super positive attitude. It's like, yeah, let's go put my head down I just started kicking hard paddling hard and just swimming swimming and I swam so hard that I swam harder in the last of my swim than I swam at the very beginning how of my long swim. last the channel swim was 12 and a half hours and the last stretch sorry the English channel swim was 15 hours sorry it's the time it's, okay. it's been forget a while things yeah yeah 15 hours to swim across um so the last hour was my fastest swim compared to any other hour I had and I noticed them starting to like work on this dinghy thing again, getting it down. So I'm like, holy shit, like this is working. And so I'm swimming harder still. And my mom and the boat driver gets in the dinghy and they kind of go ahead of me. So now I'm just following this dinghy. And sure enough, as I'm coming along, I can't really tell where I'm at, see the lights uh, in the distance. And um, so I pop my head up and my feet touch the ground. I'm like, Jesus, okay. And I start swimming along and my hands start touching the ground. I stand up, I run out, clear the water, throw my hands up in the air. Swim the English Channel. That's crazy, man. That was awesome. That's a powerful story. Dude, it was a powerful moment for me, you know, and it, it, it's crazy too because like you, like life is about building blocks and you're like trying to build stuff on top of that and stuff on top of that. And you asked me what's next. And I think the one I'm working towards now, the overarching goal, something that sounds so unrealistic that as a 37-year-old dude, I want to try to qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, I actually had that road down. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going <laughs> I for it. I the next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so and it's a sport called ski mountaineering, and I'm uh, I train like I ran 15 kilometers today before yeah. I came here. I'm training every single day, trying to prepare myself. And as a 37 year old dude, to try to go to the Olympics, it's very unlikely that I can actually make it. But I'm I'm trying to be strategic. I'm picking a sport that isn't super popular yet, um, that doesn't have a ton of people doing it, that uh, is good for my skill set, and that I enjoy training for. And at the end of the day, it's like. You know, what is the phrase? Um, success is when opportunity meets preparation. So, like, I'm preparing like myself right now for that opportunity to come up so I can be successful. Wow. That's awesome, man. I don't even know where to go from there. I feel like I need some new goals. Nah, dude. <laughs> That's just keep on you like I wouldn't do this this is scary as fuck to me you're crushing it yeah I appreciate it man and I'll definitely keep going and it makes it easier you know every time and every day I hear somebody that's you know gives some words of encouragement and you know says they enjoy the content or you know they like the real estate stuff and the reels and so I really appreciate that um you know maybe we should get out and do a little bit of training you know help you I'm, I mean unless you dust me at running like I'm happy to run but dude Get the miles in. Looking at those thighs, you can help me out with some legs. Hey, let's go. Love, let's do it, man. Let's do I'm it. always up for it. I'm very much of the opinion, like people are like, oh, why do you do so much stuff? Like, why do you run? Why do you do jujitsu? Why do you do like why do you do weights? So it's like yeah. I very much just like like to be prepared for anything. Hells yeah. God forbid anything happens and like the world as we know it ends, like 
I'm going to survive. Yeah. Now that might sound crazy. People might be like, oh my God, this guy's like some kind of doomsday prepper or something. But like, hey man, if shit goes sideways, like I need to know that my family's like taken care of. Yeah. And if that means being able to survive in the woods or run further than someone else or defend myself better than someone else or move stuff, pick stuff up better than, you know, I'm doing it. Doing it. Why, why not be? Yeah, I love that. And like the prepper mentality with skill sets. I love that. I love skills. Yeah. And, you know, how did they say I'm going to butcher it? But like dreams without goals are just dreams. Yeah. And, and or without dreams, without action or goals without action. Anyway, I might have to cut this. I messed it up. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't go for it, you're never going to do anything. And goals are a dime a dozen. Everyone can say they want to be an astronaut when they grow up. Yeah. But if they're not going through the tried and true method on how to become an astronaut, they're not going to become an astronaut. Yeah, man. So one thing, obviously, being like a Halifax-based podcast, uh, you know, Halifax Network, yeah. a lot of times I like to, uh, you know, kind of cat things off uh, with asking them, like, you know, why Halifax? Like, I know you've been all over you've been yeah. in the states you lived in the states for uh, almost what did you say nine years nine years yeah out of university uh, i graduated in 11 so um you know what made you come back here i know home's here but like you know yeah, yeah. so i lived all across the united states I, I lived in france just this last year lived over in bc alaska um why i came back to nova scotia is because you ask yourself like what's important in life and Sometimes it's your family and your friends and the people you know is the most important thing. So I moved home to be close to everyone that I know and 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 just to be happy. And Nova Scotia, Halifax, it gives you that happiness. It is a special place here in Canada. And I think we are so lucky to all live here. I couldn't agree more. Super happy to have you back in Nova Scotia. Um, I think it's the place to be. I mean, family's important. And, uh, yeah, I'd be super interested to have you back on and uh, hear what other crazy challenges and goals you've been up to. Let's go. But I think this is a great place to end it. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. And I hope if anybody's watching and listening and they enjoyed it, if they take anything out of this, it's just like, hey, if you want it, just go after it. Yeah, set Don't the goals highs, chase it. One life. One life, baby. Let's, Let's go. go. All right, thanks, thanks Brad. Guys. Appreciate Bye. it. Have a great one. See you later, guys.